This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Cryptic Mondays. Possibly. I'm not sure if I can even talk about it yet. We'll wait till Brett Martin walks in the building, and we'll see where he's at with the whole thing. I don't know if we can really get into it or not, but time will tell. It's Brent's call. I don't run the ship. I just steer it sometimes. Lots of talk about, though, over the weekend. We got the Daytona 500, obviously. Um... You know, we had some interesting stuff happen in the UFC, but let's be honest, the biggest story, in my opinion, once again, revolving the Jaguars, once again, revolving one of the latest press releases maybe in franchise history. Let's be honest, it has to be the latest press release in franchise history, and then maybe the biggest error out of that press release in franchise history. I'll tell you what, man, the Jaguars cannot stay out of the national spotlight for better or worse, but they seem to like us right now, Brent. They seem to like us. That's a heck of a news drop. Yeah. That's like straight out. I always say it's like straight out of the Yankees page playbook. Mm. I don't know where the news drop Friday thing started, but it's like a thing. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, everybody's in for the weekend. It's not going to go on like all the shows in the morning. And, you know, even the back in the day, the papers, okay, you're going to read it on Saturday. It's too late for the presses potentially, you know? Sure. So I, I think it's an age-old thing, but... I always grew up and knew about the the Yankees. If they had something go wrong, they'd kind of usually try to trump it as uh, with something good, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and try to get it out of the cycle. And they were very smart like that. Uh, the Jags, we thought maybe could do that a little bit with the Trevor Lawrence Pro Day. Just kind of got lucky in terms of the timing of everybody talking about Trevor Lawrence. But it was, wasn't really going away. And then on top of that, they they make the move and they're super late. Like seriously, I've never seen that late either. <laughs> oh, I was sleeping, man. I, I found out like the next morning. I woke up to that nah, one. Nah, my that phone was... started to go. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, and that's exactly kind of maybe some of the intention of it. But um, obviously, uh, what's that mean? You know, now what? Right? I mean, now that is that over? I mean, is is that a still ongoing topic? Uh, what kind of red flags does it bring up? And I, I think it's um, I, I don't. I think it's over in terms of, okay, well, the players and everybody else after whenever this does stop the conversation, uh, they don't have to really acknowledge, deal with, if you will, uh, in quotes, um, that distraction or or those questions or or whatever would happen. But uh, I do think it brings up a different set of questions in terms of were the checks and balances in the organization, you know, and, and we won't really know who made this decision. Was this Urban's decision? Was this Shad Khan's decision? Was this really a, a full-blown resignation by Chris Doe to say, hey, I don't want to be this big of a distraction? Mm-hmm. I mean, it can go down like that, but we just don't know. I don't think we will know, uh, but it does bring up some interesting questions. Meanwhile, the entire staff is done, and now that the focus is not completely on Chris Doyle, it does kind of bring up, okay, how did they do with the staff? You know, it's, it's, we talked about Schneider as a special teams coach. We talked about, uh, even Charlie Strong and, and obviously defense coordinator Joe Cullen. And we'll continue to talk about those guys, mm-hmm. Bevel and Schottenheimer, that relationship. But what, as you look at it in total, take Doyle out of the mix because we couldn't have asked this question on Thursday, Friday without being super critical of it. But now that you look at it in terms of how it could benefit players moving forward, how good of a staff will it be? Did they do a pretty good job? Um, And that was interesting because some of the narrative around the country when we were listening to some of these shows on our way home Thursday and Friday were, hey, the staff overall looks pretty good. 
Yeah. But then why did they bring Chris Doyle into it? You know, that was a little bit of the mantra. Now, I don't know if everybody agrees with that. I'm just saying I heard that a few different times. So uh, kind of a grade on uh, what the Jaguars uh, staff now looks like. Long day at Daytona yesterday. I bet it was. We knew it would be. Uh, we kind of anticipated it would be. And Coos comes up with a great, great idea today. The last lap at Daytona is really pretty awesome. Last couple laps, like the end of the race, is usually tremendous mm-hmm. uh, for the Daytona 500 or, or any race really at Daytona. Talladega is a lot like that. The Super Speedway tracks. But what endings in sports do we really like get excited for? What, what, if you could sign up for one ending of sports, what, what would you see? Is it the two-minute drill of an NFL or collegiate game? Is it the the last shot in a hoop game? Um, heck, I think you could put the Kentucky Derby. They say the greatest or the fastest two minutes in sports mm-hmm. um, is the Kentucky Derby. So where do you fall? And, and I'll tell you what, for even casual fans of, of NASCAR, Daytona is right there because you know it's coming. Like, you know it's coming. You just don't know what's going to happen exactly. Yeah, yeah, you don't know yeah. if it's going to come from the front car, the middle of the pack, and you just have no idea. And what last night was is you have no idea. We anticipated it for like two laps. Okay, someone going to make a move here? Mm-hmm. Or are you just going to let Joey Logano win? And then all of a sudden, the move is made, kind of, and the nudge, and there go the fireworks and, and the flames and everything else. And Michael McDowell's never won a race, comes on and wins the Daytona 500, which also is a pretty cool story. Probably not the star power type of story NASCAR would, would actually sign up for, whether it would be a Bubba Wallace or even a Logano or a Kyle Busch or any of those guys. But still pretty neat story that, that Michael McDowell wins. So uh, we'll go over some of the uh, finishes in sports and, and which ones we like. You know, we're about a month away from March Madness, too. Mm-hmm. Get your brackets ready. I think of all the sports that have been – this might be our own calendar, okay? I think of all the sports that have played through the pandemic, mm-hmm. I think college basketball is the most difficult to follow. And the reason being there's a lot of cancellations, postponements, switching of schedules. Like if you look at just locally, UNF and, and JU, I, I announce the play-by-play. I do the play-by-play for UNF. Yeah. And – was supposed to be home last weekend. Instead, it, like on Wednesday, it was like, nope, they're going up to Liberty. That was already after they had already driven up to Liberty and come back because of positive tests. And now this week, they just found out like today, I think it's Bellarmine that's going to be home this weekend. There's so many different schedule changes. And credit to them, they're trying to keep playing. You know, they're trying to find ways. But I just think from, you know, our point of view, it's very hard to follow. Like, what's going on in college basketball? How many games has this team played? How many games has that team played? And, again, I, I do say this from the point of view where, listen, we're a little bit caught up in football season through the Super Bowl, Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, heck, even Daytona for me. So maybe that's just me talking. Mm-hmm. And I want to know if, if kind of March Madness is shaping up. Like, we have no idea about any of these teams. Like, this might be the most wide open or at least hardest to bet on or pick your bracket sure. March Madness we've ever had. If you had to guess, let's just say men's college basketball, how many games do you think have been postponed or canceled? Uh, at least ESPN's graphics says this season. Oof. Oof. Postponed or canceled? It says postponed or canceled. So, And this is ESPN. I, I haven't fact-checked this, so let's... Uh, I believe and I'll, this is from today? This, uh, this thing, this graphic they sent this morning, yes. Okay, well, keep in mind so, now, there's like uh, yeah. 300 and, what, 52 teams or something like that in college basketball, 300 and something like that. Uh, I would say, Kuz, I got to believe at least each school has had, on average, 
uh, three to five of those. I'm going to fall right in the middle. I'm going to say 1,350 games. Oh, I'm going to say like 700. Brent is close. It says 1,608. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I should have done five times instead of uh, mm-hmm. four. Damn. But that that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I think I think uh, I heard somewhere along the way that I think it was Iona. Yeah. That they lost like 49 straight days of their season because of from practices or games or postponements yeah. because of COVID. This is apparently only Division One. Did I say that? Did I at least put that part in there? Uh, you didn't, but I assumed. Okay, okay. I assume yeah, that's yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. And so I mean, just think, that's a massive amount of schools, and even you know that that really only takes three or four days. I know UNF has been postponed, canceled, whatever, way more than four dates already. So They're still doing all the conference championships, right? Uh, that's the plan, yeah. So, I mean, so those automatic qualifiers, Well, yes. I was going to yes. say, I mean, there probably hasn't been uh, as much stake as in a conference championship than this year. I mean, that's that's going to be everything. I'm talking about the, the conference tournament. Um, obviously, you win that, you're in, but it might not have meant so much more now with everything with, you know, some teams only got 10 games and some teams got less, some teams got more. So it's hard to really get a vibe right now of who's going to go and who's not. I was watching last night. They're saying Maryland who I think is like 5-10 and 10 or something like that this, this, this year, they're actually slated to go to the tournament still. Really? They're like 5-10. and 10. Yeah. But just the way Play everything's the, gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they say that's uh, – it's going to be an interesting – I think just from our point of view, like how do you handicap it? Mm-hmm. Like who's good? I have no idea. Like, I mean, I look at some of the records to your point. I, I know like the, the SEC records, I'm like, okay, does that mean there are good teams or not so good teams? Is it – Kentucky's not – you know, good. Yeah. So if Kentucky's not good, does that make the SEC just okay? Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to tell. Uh, and so I think it's going to be kind of fun, really, when it comes to March Madness. Yeah. But, I mean, you can do a blind draw and probably be just as success- successful in this year's March Madness. You probably do that quite a bit, actually. But uh, <laughs> you, you, Yeah, usually. You can, you can really do that this it year. It kind of seems like the, the more time you spend on your bracket, the worse it's going to turn out. So, yeah, nothing's changed here. I, I don't know if that means we're going to get 16s beaten ones. I don't think – I still think the disparity there is pretty large. But yeah, but I do talk wonder, to Virginia about that, Brent. Well, I understand. I yeah. mean, it's happened once. I mean, 15 and twos can beat that, too. But mm-hmm. once you get into 314, 413, 512 is always a popular one. Six, we could really have a lot of double-digit seeds in the tournament do well because we just don't know what they are. And keep in mind, they might not know who they are mm-hmm. because they haven't had their full complement of players for a good stretch of games. So – uh, it's it's really going to be a fascinating March Madness, and we'll take a quick uh, kind of an early look ahead uh, at that. Hey, Trevor Lawrence, uh, reportedly, I think the surgery is going to be tomorrow on right. his non-throwing shoulder. Do we know? Is he going to Dr. Andrews? I didn't see that. Okay. Uh, or maybe I – uh, let's just say this. I didn't see it was Dr. Andrews, so it's either not Dr. Andrews or – it, or, it or just it hasn't Dr. been out okay, there, you know, you. or yeah. just hasn't been out there. So yeah. I would have noted in my mind if it was Dr. Andrews for mm-hmm. sure, because we've been talking about that. Without a doubt. Um, and, and I have not seen that yet. Uh, curiosity, though, there were now count, the count now is 17 teams mm-hmm. at his pro day on Friday, obviously, Urban Meyer and the Jags front and center. Why did so many teams go? I was watching get up this morning. The Patriots were there. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why did so many teams go? watch Trevor Lawrence if we know he's a sure fire number one guy of course and even if you thought the unknown crazy whatever would happen he'd be a sure fire number two guy yeah. right so why do you I understand there could be potential trade partners and stuff like that but why would so many teams go to Clemson early to watch Trevor Lawrence throw see to me it's very simple 
because everyone is hyping this guy up to be the, the best pick since Andrew Luck, like the, the most sure thing since Andrew Luck. And when you put that guy in that kind of stratosphere, teams want to see that in person. Teams want to see that work out in person because then you know why? They're going to take notes of what they saw. And then when they're evaluating talent further down the line the next couple of years and trying to find their own quarterback, they have a baseline of which to go off of. So it wasn't so much of the fact of let's go watch Trevor Lawrence if we're the Patriots, some team like that, to see, well, maybe we can get him. No, they understand what's up right now. They saw Urban Meyer standing in the middle of the field. What they're doing right now is due diligence. What they're doing is taking notes and saying, okay, here's how he looked. Here's what you know some of his strengths were. Here's maybe a, he had a couple of throws here or there. But this is what the quarterback, the best quarterback since Andrew Luck is going to look like, we think. And then use that baseline for future draft picks. Yeah, I guess I'll have to go back now to ask that question, how many people went to like Andrew Luck's pro day. But I, I get what you're saying. He, now Trevor Lawrence becomes the measuring stick. This is what a generational quarterback looks like, right? That's essentially what you're saying. Uh, is any of it <laughs> a little pre-scouting? You can't scout at a pro day, yeah. right? I mean, well, it, the thing about it to me was they couldn't even talk to him. Like, So I could see why more teams would come down if you talk to him or whatever and be like, you know – you already seen the tape. You see him in person. You talk to him. He blows you away. Those kind of things mm-hmm. with interviews. And then some team says, listen, I'm going to Herschel Walker this draft and at least ask the Jags if they're interested. Yeah, you know, sure, sure, like, sure. so I could see some of that because yeah. maybe he's that good. Right. Yeah. Everybody looking for that Patrick Mahomes guy. But I, I just you couldn't even do that. So. But listen, I, it's just there, curious to me that that many teams win. You can tell a lot more in person than you can on film. There's a reason why in a non-pandemic world, colleges go to high schools to watch these players in person. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why NFL scouts will come to your practice and like watch you practice because they have to see it for themselves. They have to see it in person. Yes, film can tell you pretty much everything. It can probably tell you 80% of what you want to know about a player based off his skill set and how he plays the game. But the other other 20%, you got to see it for yourself. You got to see in person. And that's why I feel like so many people were there at Trevor Lawrence's pro day. And it's like, uh, did Devil Swinney actually said this as well, which I thought was genius. He's like, listen, if you had the chance to watch Steph Curry shoot three three pointers, you're going to go watch him. Just like people want a chance to see Trevor Lawrence with the football in a workout. Yeah. So they're going to watch him. Yeah, it's really well said. You know, I I never thought of this before until this kind of conversation came about on Friday. Mm -hmm. They want to know what the ball sounds like when it leaves his hands. I well, never that, really thought well, about now that. that's aggressive. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, but like then we asked, like, uh, what was oh Bevel, right? Bevel actually kind of said, kind of looks like. I think he was the one that maybe even said the yeah. word sound. Um, and that was just interesting to me. It's kind of like if you go, you can watch John Car- Carlos Stanton hit batting practice mm-hmm. on TV, and it's impressive. It's sure. Like, whoa. Yeah. And then you can go watch him behind the cage mm-hmm. and it's like, holy crap. Oh, yeah. You, you know, you can the power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. So for I, sure. I kind of get that. Like, I just have never heard it in that sense. Of, yeah. Um, even but but like you said, it, it might just be like, man, I, I want to really this is the measuring stick. This guy's mm-hmm. that good. And I just think when we have these discussions, folks here in Jacksonville, again, I mean, the Jacks are getting that guy. Uh, and this is a lot to live up to for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we, we said this when he went to his hometown and other places. He has lived up to the expectations. Remember, people talked about him like this in middle school. He goes to high school, bam, delivers. People talked about this coming out of high school. He goes to Clemson, bam, delivers. So there's no reason to get nervous that the hype is too much and they're over-dramatizing it. In fact, I've tried to tell you the, the, the just opposite. This is not an over-dramatization of what the Jags are getting. I, I think we have to come to the realization that this guy is this big of a prospect that people do want to just go see what a measuring stick of a quarterback might look like now in the NFL in this 
this next generation. No, of course, because listen, I mean, you get to judge from the past a little bit. If you want to build your franchise, you can learn from the past. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, five to ten years from now, we hope he's the barometer. We hope he's the measuring stick. We hope he's the floor. Like, listen, if you want a great quarterback, this is what it looks like. That's what everyone expects him to be. Now he's just got to be that guy. You know what's interesting to me, man? You know, I've seen uh, a couple of podcasts, I think it was, uh, Sean Payton mm. has raved about how good of a, a player coming out of school Mahomes was. Mm. And they thought about moving up. They even I, I think I heard the podcast where they even thought about telling Drew Brees, or they did tell Drew Brees, hey, if he's still here, we're going to take this guy. And so now, again, a little bit to that, hey, I just want to tell you, I know what a good look quarterback is. <laughs> sure. Uh, but if they really thought he was that good, wouldn't you have traded up for almost anything? Without a doubt. Um, so I, I don't know what I believe. I'm just saying – how did so many teams, including the Jaguars, not look at Mahomes in this kind of process? And by the way, the process was more intensive at the time because we didn't have a pandemic. How did they not see some of this? Like what? I, I just don't understand because it feels like he's that or Andrew Luck. Like nobody missed Andrew Luck. People, Stanford wasn't winning national titles. People all yeah, said the same thing good, about Andrew Luck. But, but that's a pretty good season. They did though. have good years, but yeah, yeah. still, it wasn't like he was like, oh wow, like and it, he didn't. He didn't win the Heisman, right? No, he didn't win the Heisman. So, no. I, why did they know that that guy was can't miss? But how did Patrick Mahomes slip by so many teams to have Kansas City trade up to get him, and he wasn't can't miss? Like, what's hiding on Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I, I, I just mean, wonder how people missed on that one. Yet, nope, everybody knows Andrew Luck, and everybody knows Trevor Lawrence is this guy. I mean, to me, it's just the fact that he played at Texas Tech and never really had a lot of success. Yeah. I mean, he like at least with Andrew Luck, I felt like he went. Did he go to a couple Rose Bowls? You know, he probably Rose, did. They, they, they had a really good they, stretch there, right? And David yeah, Shaw is well respected. Up. Yeah. Um, and so they had good. I, I don't even remember the time. I mean, heck, it's almost ten years ago, right? It's ten years ago now. <laughs> yeah. So it's just curious to me that. Mahomes, as you look at him now, and mm -hmm. the way Sean Payton talked about him, the way Kansas City felt about him, mm -hmm. why didn't everybody feel about him like that? Like, why didn't people all say, including, again, I mean, Jags deserve pretty, plenty of criticism here. Yeah. They had Tom Coughlin, who had seen Eli Manning and plenty of quarterbacks over the years. Dave Caldwell, the scouting staff, they did not have one of those quarterbacks. They might have had a quarterback coming off a good year, um, but... No, at that time, they didn't even have a quarterback coming off a good year. That was 2016. Correct. So yeah. why did all these people miss? Yet we know this guy, everybody says, is is so good. Uh, I'd like to look at Patrick Mahomes' draft profile and really see what they said about it. Maybe I'll, I'll check that out uh, during the break here. We'll bring it up next segment of what like the experts were saying yeah. on Patrick Mahomes, the pros and the cons of everything. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Uh, by the way, I mean, have you on this Valentine's Day weekend fallen yeah. in love with Trevor Lawrence in a different way after his I mean, I'm Casey Make Musgraves I mean, I'm, I'm, wearing affection. The I'm wearing the shirt. And guess what, man? A lot of Casey Musgraves fans are there in case you don't Oh, yeah. A lot of interactions. I appreciate them. Thank you. That was a big moment, huh? For what? For for me? I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, the two songs that he mentioned, I'm not the biggest fans of. So, you know, I took it personally. But it's still Casey Musgraves. You can't grow on Casey Musgraves. Can you imagine if he had said, like, Garth Brooks and what that would have done to, to you? To my, to, to the, the restraining order that you already want to put in place? <laughs> <laughs> See, like, at least with me, I can remain calm about it. I'm wearing a t-shirt, yeah. but I can stay calm. I'm not sure you, you didn't sound too calm over the weekend. With you, I didn't excited. sound too calm about it. I mean, come on, bro. You know, I'm just having some fun.
All right, we come back. Uh, we will get in more of the Chris Doyle and what went wrong with the Jaguars, what it means going forward. A little bit later on, we'll take a closer look at uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence, maybe in comparison to Patrick Mahomes, yeah. too. Uh, that is on the way here on a Monday. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. The beer that made Milwaukee famous. Giannis Antetokounmpo, big sign, the deer that made Milwaukee famous. Brent Martineau. I can buy that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, so I'm throwing out there. I can definitely buy that. Hashtag and trademark. So if somebody tries to steal it, I'm suing you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, I was listening to some Casey Musgraves at first, but I don't even remember what came on at the end. So I like Casey Musgraves. <laughs> Heard that. Why? Why? Um... I listen to a lot of country music. Sure you do. I like Casey Musgraves. But I don't understand, like, why... Why she's awesome? Like, does she transcend country? Yes. I'm saying, like, not just for you. Like, you obviously... <laughs> you don't listen to she a really, lot of country, she right? She really transcends everything, Brent. No, yeah, she transcends country. Is she in the pop world? Is a lot of her songs yes. pop? Yes. Are they really? Well, the, the, it's like country pop, which what what isn't country pop these days? It yeah, seems true. like. But um, no, like see, Casey Musgraves is the unique talent that she can headline like a CMA music festival, and then she could headline Coachella. Like her audience is is very broad, and you know, should we actually? I had this conversation with Martin Martin Buckley, who's yeah. a big Casey Musgraves yes. guy as well. We actually we had this conversation. Man, this is probably a year ago now, almost two years ago, uh, and we talked about it a little bit, and like. The metamorphosis of Casey Musgraves, and don't take her in this stuff because we don't need to be that that weird radio station that keeps on taking her and stuff. So let's I, go ahead. I'm and, just saying, when are we going to get and, her on the show? No, see, that's what. No, let's go ahead and uh, delete that right You're now. You're afraid of what she might say, no, man? Because I don't like to play the soccer You're card like you do. Her shirt, and that's fine. That's fine. Everyone wears her shirt. We don't got to be taking her in the show. Can you please come on? No, I don't want to be I'm that guy. I'm not saying that. I said, when are we going to get her on the show? That's basically saying, can you please come on the show? So I'm going to need you to delete that tweet, and then I'll explain to you why she has so many fans. Okay, go ahead. You're not going to delete it. That's fine. I'm Whatever, not tagging man. her. Whatever, man. All right. So anyways, the reason why she We're has so many fans. We're talking about Casey Musgraves yeah. right now. I am teasing that. Okay, okay. Tease it, but don't tag her. All right? Just a, just a tease, but no tag. No tag. All right. But no, with Casey Musgraves, it's so simple. So soft. How am I? Uh, I listen, and when that restraining order comes down from Trevor's family, then we'll talk about who's soft. In the meantime, Casey Musgraves is super popular because of her first album, where she kind of spoke out about things that aren't usually talked about on country records. For instance, you know, smoking weed. You hear a lot of female country artists doing that, That's right? That's true. Um, you know, talking about... Well, they might about, be doing that. They don't sing well, yeah, about it. Yeah, they don't sing about it. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I mean, obviously, she's she's very prevalent in the gay community as well. You know, she her song, probably her most famous song, Follow Your Arrow, is about, you know, girls kissing girls. That's okay. Um, you don't hear about that too much in country music, yeah, especially true. back then. That was, like, back in, I think, 2015, 16. So, like, she kind of started out as this rebel um, who, appear, you know, appealed to a bunch of communities that weren't really represented let's just say in country music yeah and then from there she got more poppy more poppy and then you know kind of like the pop music crowd came along so she really has like a conglomerate of a lot of different um genres of people that are that they're into uh and she's kind of taking over the world brent so are you going to be mad if i try to get casey musgraves on the show it's not going to happen though she, she doesn't have time for us you just challenge me she doesn't have time for us this is like back when i try to get jeff bezos I forgot what we, we had a conversation with Jeff yeah. Bezos about yeah. to get him on the show. Yeah, I forgot like what the excuse was. Yeah, but how? Let me. And just, I, I sent him an email, and he never got back to me. You did send him an email. Yeah, you sent him one email. 
It said on Amazon, if you email Jeff Bezos, sometimes it gets back to you. That's like what so, this article said in the New York Times. This was the other time. This, I, I guess I didn't. <laughs> that's, like, that's like sending your autograph. I want an autograph of your favorite player. Yeah, send yeah, the yeah. card. Might yeah. not get it back. Hey, I, I sent mine to the Seattle Mariners one time, and they said, can you send it to a different address? <laughs> yeah. Because I was trying to get Ken Griffey's autograph. I, I did that before. Yeah. And, and you, you, you sent it to a different address? Yeah. No, so it was uh, Jay Buhner and Ken Griffey Jr. I had a Ken Griffey Jr. card and a Jay Buhner card. I sent it to Seattle. Six months later, seven months later, I bet uh, I get that. But I was so pumped up, and I actually took that envelope to show and tell to show my class. Cause I was so really? excited because the awesome. manager sent me some mail. Uh, but no, they said I had to send it to a different address, and I'm like, nah, uh, that's not gonna it. happen. Yeah. But I, I still got the letter. Like back in the day, or maybe even still now, they almost need to employ somebody just to take care of that stuff. Oh, for sure. By the way, if somebody's going to employ somebody in Jags headquarters, just take it. Urban Meyer would be the guy. <laughs> He's employing somebody just to do everything in that building uh, with that staff. Uh, all right. So anyway, someday we're going to get Casey Musgraves on Sunday. I'm going to find a way. I wish I had more ties to country music. I really don't. Like, I haven't worked in the radio industry. Yeah. And so I don't have a lot Whoa. of, like, I figured along the way over years, mm-hmm. and I really do like country music, mm-hmm. that I would meet more people associated with country music. So I can be like, hey, uh, any chance? Like, do you even have somebody that I could bug yeah. that might give me the next restraining order? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I really don't have a See, lot of those contacts. It's what, weird. What we need to do is is I have to make it to the UFC, and then after my fight, I have to call out Casey Musgraves and bring her on the show. Because you see what that, what that one guy did with Miley, Miley Cyrus? I didn't see I don't that. even know the dude's name. Um, so, dude. Dude won a UFC fight, said he wants Miley Cyrus to be his valentine. Miley Cyrus tweeted at him and said, I'm all yours if you shave uh, my initials in your chest here. And wh- that's listen, all it took? That's all it took. Now, listen, any suitable guy would have been like, okay, I can do that. Like, I'll take, I'll take one for the team. It's Miley Cyrus tweeting at you, man. She's got like 30 million followers. Welcome to the club. No. What does this dude do? This, go, this guy goes, mm, how about you get a henna tattoo of my initials above your belly button, and then maybe we'll see. And then she hasn't responded since. You can't negotiate, dude. Who who negotiated? She responded. Who negotiates with Molly Cyrus in anything? Honestly, that was I a mean, bad move. Horrible move. I gotta find that dude's name. All right. Uh, hey, we asked um, scouting reports on Patrick Mahomes. I have one right here. Do you got one too? Yeah. Right. Ready for this one? What do you got? Uh, Sports okay, Illustrated. Chris okay. Burke. Gotcha. Let's go. Okay. It. Giving Mahomes closest NFL comp to Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford. Burke largely had high praise for the youngster. One primary point of criticism: Mahomes' mechanics can be scattershot, which is why he will throw the needle one play, then fire an easy pass into the third row the next. Mm. I haven't seen many of those third row plays. No. Needless to say, accuracy, accuracy has not been an issue for him in the NFL. Completed 66% of his passes. He's 200 pass attempts shy. I'm assuming he's talking about uh, Stafford. Walter Football. Charlie Campbell. While this site had a lot of good things to say about Mahomes, they hedged their bets on his future stardom because of the decidedly non-NFL offense run at Texas Tech, which was out of the shotgun. Terming him a second-round pick, they believe Mahomes going to need to learn how to work under center, call plays and huddle, develop his footwork to make drops from being under center. That scared him away. That was a that was a common thing if you go back to Tebow in the 2010 draft, even Gabbert in 2011. There was a lot of talk in the early part of the decade about guys not being able to adjust to taking snaps under center. Well, very interestingly enough, that that conversation has died down and also most players now are taking snaps from the shotgun anyway yeah for what sure. do you have all right so i got profootballfocus.com we'll see how reliable they truly are here brent uh all right what does he do best smooth whip release with power and touch arm is special may define the term arm talent not too bad can make any throw with accuracy power and level of the area of the field from every type of platform and arm angle 
Not bad so far. Athletic in pocket with the ability to make rushers miss or shed with strength. Anticipates well. Time for locating receiver to ball out of his hands is extremely quick. And he's a gritty playmaker, wants the ball in his hands and delivers when his team needs it the most. Biggest concerns now. Plays undisciplined too often. Inconsistent footwork, loses his base, but tends to make up for with his arm. Tendency to drift in the pocket in all directions when it's not necessary. You actually, I mean, you see that still. You like still drift, but it's not like it matters. Uh, bad habit of breaking form from clean pockets too early when the pass rush dictates him to stay in there. Forces too many throws and tries for the hero play too often. Steep learning curve coming from the Texas Tech spread wide open system. Huh. Uh... Interesting. Now, Mel Kuyper, one last one. When it comes to NFL prospects, it's wise to listen to what Kuyper has to say. Mm. Maybe not. Mm. Huh. Didn't know why I'm I not sure you good. agree. It's all right, though. He has covered the draft for decades with a laser focus. Mm. Uh, blah, blah. However, he even was cautious about Mahomes. Kansas City rebuilding. He was not keen on what the team had to give up on a raw player like the quarterback. He wrote, quote, Mahomes has a high ceiling, but he's going to have to learn how NFL offenses are running. The Chiefs are going to have to rebuild his mechanics from the ground up. Mm. Andy Reid, John Dorsey know what they're getting and know what they're doing and see some Brett Favre in Mahomes. They have a capable quarterback in Alex Smith signed until 2019. This is a pick and grade that could like could look like great or silly in five or six years. So, but be on the fence a little more. Yeah, he was a little bit on the fence. Come right. on. Soft, well, Brent, when you call that soft? Yeah, but they yeah. threw around um, Stafford. They threw around Favre. What's interesting, here's what's interesting, and what we probably don't know enough of about Mahomes, mm-hmm. is he sat behind Alex Smith for a year. And so in that time, did they clean up some of his mechanics, right? Did they do some of these things, and he was a quick study? Or did they really need to do as much work as some of these folks might have said? And I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe probably the thing that scared people away was Texas Tech, to your point earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, and maybe the whole Mahomes indictment thing should really be more on Kingsbury. <laughs> right? Dude, yeah. Kingsbury was there during that time. For sure. How didn't he win with this guy? <laughs> right? It's a great point, I mean, man. if I'm in Arizona, I'm wondering, how did I, you know, so he's had Mahomes and now Kylo Murray? Yeah. That guy doesn't win. I think it's on him. Yeah. Well, and do you think, too, Scouts, because what year was that? That was 2018 or 19? Well, he would have been in 2017 draft. So, yeah, yeah, 2017, yeah. yeah. Um, do you think analysts – I mean, it's crazy to say, but, like, you get the sense, all right, coming from the spread offense, the spread offense. Well, the NFL is a lot of spread offense. Now, like, do you think they kind of undervalue just where the game was going in terms of those spread offenses in the NFL? I think you're right, and I think that's a big part of this now. We've talked about it in the past. If, if we talk about fixing the Jaguars in terms of being bold and being ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Well, I think it's it's fair to say since 2016 and even 17, the game in the NFL has changed quite a bit. I mean, we're not talking about something that's uh, gradually changed since like 2010, 12, 13. No, we're something that's changed like almost overnight. The willingness to allow the shotgun game, the read, the zone read stuff in there. Lamar Jackson helped change it. Other quarterbacks are helping change it. The adaptability to the college game is now not such a faux pas, mm-hmm. right? The egos aren't talking. They've allowed themselves to do that over the last couple of years because they've seen the success, maybe of a guy like Mahomes, but definitely of Lamar Jackson, that they're more open-minded to it. So I do think maybe it was the Chiefs not worrying about that because they saw where the offense was going. Maybe they got a little lucky at the same time because of that. I don't know. But you have to be ahead of the curve. And, and what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson – they got ahead of the curve, right? Teams that have had instant success like that and turn it around have been, in my 
opinion ahead of the curve and bold in doing so and I think both these teams were bold they already had Alex Smith Patrick Mahomes they jumped up and traded and said that's our guy that's a bold move Lamar Jackson it wasn't bold to pick Lamar Jackson because it was the end of the first round it was like okay that's a that's a good time to take a risk but what they did to revamp their entire offense around him was a bold move in my opinion listen I mean the whole thing of the quarterback under center these days is pretty rare in college football. I mean, you can find a couple Big Ten teams up there that still want to run the football and pound the rock out of eye formation. But for the most part, man, it's rare. Are you, I mean, are we to the point now, though, Brent, in the landscape of the NFL where you would rather draft the guy who spends predominantly his time in that spread formation, not that shotgun, as opposed to a quarterback who's under center, you know, in a maybe like a more pro eye formation? Like, to me, I'm, I'm taking the guy that's taking shotgun snaps. Because that's what you see now in the NFL. Like, no one's really under center that much anymore in the NFL. Yeah, I I guess I don't know the ins and outs of it enough to answer your question just with a blanket statement of it's here nor there. I just think the willingness and the lack of the willingness to, first of all, let the coaching ego go that it has to be an under center play action. You can still run the play action stuff a little bit from the shotgun. I mean, not like as we know it, but there's enough misdirection, movement, all this stuff now out of the shotgun that you can still create. Uh, what you want to create, and I think teams are willing to do so. What's interesting in that, I had one person tell me, that this could be interesting to watch for Trevor Lawrence, that he's just as comfortable in, in both. And yeah. that might be one reason, why, another reason why they like him. Now, I haven't seen that written up on him much, mm-hmm. but we'll be comfortable under center, we'll be comfortable from the shotgun is is something that I've heard about Trevor Lawrence. Now, we'll find out and what this offense looks like for Urban Meyer and, yeah. and Bevel and Schottenheimer, but you don't read that very often that guys are comfortable from both. True. And it seems like even, you know, to date back like four or five years ago where there was a big knock against you if you didn't take snaps under center. Absolutely. Because it's like, oh, we have to retool this guy. He's, he doesn't take snaps under center. we got to work in the footwork a little more. You don't, I mean, sure, it's still important, obviously, right? Because there are formations, there are play calls that dictate the quarterback under center. But we don't see such a scrutiny of it now where it's like, well, this quarterback's out of shotgun the whole time. Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll get him, you know, ready to go. Back in the day, it was like, oh, the shotgun the whole time? This guy's not going to make it. Man. And Austin, when you like... talk about back in the day, you're talking about the year you I'm were drafted. Exactly. Because, no, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, the Tebow stuff about taking a snap under center yeah, was yeah. as legit a conversation as, and I, it was almost felt foolish. It was the story of the day. It felt yeah. foolish. Like, what do you mean he can't, I can take a snap from center? Now, Crazy. if you, what they mean is, can you get to your drop? Can you get mm-hmm. to the reads? All that stuff. I get it now, but it's felt so weird to say that. Hey, do you want to get uh, Steven in before we go to the break? Let's uh, grab Steven in, and he might help us tease this next segment, potentially. Uh, let's get him before we go to break. Steven, what's up, man? Hope you had a good weekend. Hey, hope you guys had a good weekend, too. Hey, um, I, I noticed two tweets over, uh, I believe it was uh, yesterday, and I want to get Austin's input on one since, well, experience. And the other one, I guess I could get both of your guys' opinion. One was uh, Solomon Thomas put a tweet out there trying to get the NFL committee to switch all fields back to natural grass. I guess there was a poll or numbers drawn up to where uh, leg injuries have occurred more because of artificial turf use. And since 13 of our fields are artificial turf, uh, he was trying to get them to switch back to just plain old grass. Austin, you played. Maybe you would have a good input on that. Okay, Okay, what's your other one? one, And my second one is uh, Jaguars had a Zoom call with defensive tackle uh, Emil uh, McNeil from NC State. 
uh, I wanted to get your opinion on him. I mean, this is a guy who took on a triple team, got his big bear paw up, smacked it, intercepted it for a touchdown, and then to throw on some joke for Austin, he did like a big, big jumbo Naruto run for a touchdown celebration. I like that. All right. Steven, we'll answer those on the other side of the break. I like that a lot. Okay. I'm intrigued. Thanks for checking in. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Those answers, and I guess he didn't tease what I thought he was going to tease. So we'll we'll talk about, um, well, sunshine and rainbows with a twist Mm. when we come back on ESPN 690. You can look at Trevor Lawrence and say, okay, we saw you, uh, Ohio State, in in the college playoff. There was, you know, some fumbles. The ball security thing, he was really trying to extend the play. But, man, he was playing behind a really bad offensive line this year. And so it's like, ah, you, okay, you kind of understand that. You, you can explain it away. Uh, I think there were times in 2019 his ball placement was a little off. Like, he was throwing a little bit high and outside on guys. Seems like he reined that in. Scatter report is, what are the, po- the pros of this player? What are the cons of this player? The cons for him, you've got to get real picky to find anything to, to really complain about. It's kind of like my wife. I mean... Got to get real picky. Got to get real. To get anything in depth. to complain about. Real in depth, yeah. huh? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's it. Steph and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, a lot in common. Coos, <laughs> did you get Valentine's Day dinner? Did you find a spot? I did. I made some homemade pizza. That's right. That's right. I didn't do that's anything for Valentine's Day except for that comment right there, which is probably yeah, better than anything is... I could have done. <laughs> we'll see when you get home how, how that comment's going to be received. Uh, Aleem McNeil. Aleem McNeil. Let's get these quick hitters from Steve. Yeah. Uh, Aleem McNeil, defensive tackle at North Carolina State. I got to be honest with you. I just looked him up and read a little bit about yeah. him well, uh, in the in the break. Uh, I'll just give folks out there. He's nose tackle guy. Correct. 90% of the time. Yeah. Big fella yes. in the middle. Uh, and a lot of people consider the sec- potentially the second Best guy in the draft behind Christian Barmore. That's a name you've probably heard more. He's an Alabama guy. You've heard it and you've also seen a lot of projections to Jacksonville at number 25. Which means he's not coming here. <laughs> probably not. That's the way it works. But what's interesting is even if that guy's the best, maybe you get a high-quality player in round two somewhere. Remember, or even maybe even a little bit later, but the Jags have five picks in the top 65 picks. Yeah. Something to keep an eye on. One other thing I read, and again, it just depends what you read here. Yeah. said highest-graded player from that position since 2014, except for one other player, and that's Jeffrey Simmons. Hmm. So that's a nice comp. It is. So anyway, some nice things being said about Aleem McNeil. Honestly, I have no idea. But yeah. the Jaguars need a lot of help up front. They, they absolutely do, especially in that interior. And when we're talking about, you know, this 3-4 defense that's coming in, like, listen, there's a couple ways that you could go. And I've broken this down before a little bit. You can go with the traditional 3-4 defense, which means you're two-gapping. So now that means that you have three defensive linemen up front that are essentially responsible for two gaps, right? So each side of them or you can go like more like a three four under defense where only one guy is going to be responsible for the gap now, and you get, think the Jags showed some of those looks anyway over the last they, couple yeah, years over the past couple years yeah. they did now i think they're going to go with a more traditional three four look which means two gapping okay you think they should if you have the if you have the tools necessary for okay. that which i think they can get those tools like right now on the roster do they have interior defensive line that can play three four defense not fill the team with it yeah. you know like obviously this is really draft this is where free agency comes in i think aleem mcneil would be a great guy to have um, at your disposal i think with aleem mcneil you definitely put him at the nose technique right i mean this is a big space eater and that's the thing like i was looking some draft comps and stuff like that well he's not that good in the pass rush I'll be honest with you. Doesn't matter. You don't really need your, your nose technique in a 3-4 to be good at the pass rush. What you need your nose technique to do is to be fast-footed, strong hand violence, 
and being able to, to absorb a double team. Now, I said absorb a double team. Yeah, obviously, yeah, it would be ideal to split a double team and get in the backfield, but you got to eat up space. You have to eat up blockers, and Aleem McNeil can do that. Now, the question comes, can Devon Hamilton play that spot as well? I thought he showed a lot last year. Yeah. I think Devon Hamilton's athletic enough to even play a three technique in a 3-4 defense, so like a 3-4 defensive end as opposed to defensive tackle. But to get back to Steven's question, Aleem McNeil, I think he'd be suitable. I'm going to be honest with you, Steven. I'm disappointed, though, because that, that interception that he had for a touchdown, that was not a Naruto run. I'm sorry to say it, was not confirmed. I don't even know what you're talking about. What is it's that? An, it's an anime. Remember when uh, those guys were going to go to um, Area 51 and they were going to yes. bust? That's what, so okay. it's running like this. Okay. You know, it's your hands behind you, <laughs> yeah. kind, of, kind of like a ninja. That's what, that's what that run is. Uh, he had his hands out like this, like a hell, like an airplane. So okay. it was more like the Jets of old. Yeah, you know, like yeah, where, yeah, uh, yeah. Bob, Bart Scott used to do this all the time when he got a sack. Yeah. So it wasn't really that, but um, I think he, he looks like a pretty – Interesting prospect. Two quick things. Uh, if I think nose tackles, I think Vince Wilfork. Sure. Um, I actually think even here, Marcel Darius played the nose at times in his career, and then when there were other times where they asked him to rush more. But yeah. when he needed to be a space eater and don't worry about the sacks, he could be that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, that's who I think of. That's what. what the, but listen, the Wilfork one is a better comp, right? Because that sure. was more when he went to Houston, especially would have been in the three four. Listen, correct. When you think of a, a space eater, think of Terrence Knighton. Think about yeah, Rose. Perfect. Yeah. Think about what he did in, in Denver. You know, um, just, just think about. The, but don't uh, worry about the quarterback. Guy, I mean, yeah. I mean, he listen. Terrence Knight actually got the Broncos to the, the I think the Super Bowl that one year because he sacked Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's not the primary job. The primary job of a nose tackle um, in a three-four defense is to eat up space, take on double teams. So, like when you see these comps saying, "Well, these guys, you know, there's no pass rush." You don't need the pass rush. Well, what you need is explosiveness, good hand balance, and a good anchor. Uh, and lastly, what if he did have Devon Hamilton and say a guy like Barmore or McNeil? Are you okay going that young? I mean, or do you prefer to try to bring somebody in that has a few more yeah. years and a little more seasoned? Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, that looks good for the next three, four, five, potentially ten years if they're both good. Without a doubt. But at the same time, I, I feel like that's that's a lot of youth. No, without a doubt. Like, you definitely need some experience. Because keep in mind, even though um, Hamilton could be interesting, he didn't play that last year. So yeah. you're essentially teaching him a new technique. Well, he played it in college, but you have to re-ingrain him in that two-gap technique. So I would definitely bring in some free agent guys um, that are used to playing it. Also, Gunter. Is Gunter still no, considered? He's done. I mean, oh, I he's, he's done. He's done. Okay, he's yeah. not coming back. I can't imagine he's ever playing again. I got you. Yeah, right. I, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. So, well, okay. I, I don't think we fully know. I mean, but that doesn't seem like, hey, I'm going to get better from, and I can go play football. I, I mean, gotcha. that was something they caught that's a good thing they caught yeah. with the heart condition. And then Al Woods, do we know about him? Yet? Now, that's a better ask. Yeah. I just don't see it. You sure. know, a guy that's 12-year vet, opted out, hasn't played now. I, it, it's yeah. a good thought. I just don't see that happen. I'd be surprised if he's on the Jags yeah. next year. It, I, I mean, he's out of my mind in that sense. I hear you. Um, grass or artificial turf? We'll answer <laughs> that part of the question next on ESPN 690.